Hello and welcome to a new episode of the 81 All Out podcast. Uh, we got back recently into regular programming last week uh, with a rewind of India's tour to New Zealand in 98-99. And today we are here to talk about uh, the current series that's coming up, India's two tests against New Zealand, uh, the first in Wellington and the next one in Christchurch, to talk about uh, this series, which could uh, play a big role in uh, uh, the World Test Championship points as well, if any of you are still following that. Uh, is uh, I have uh, Ashoka, an 81 All Out uh, regular, who is AB Van on Twitter. And uh, hi, Ashoka. Hey, man. Good to be back. Thanks. And um, we also have a new guest today. We have uh, Suhas Kadambi from Chennai. He's a business analyst by day and a New Zealand cricket fan by night, or should we say a New Zealand cricket fan by early morning. Hi, Suhas. Good to have you here. Hi, sir. Uh, great to be on the show. Wonderful. So, uh, let's start uh, looking a bit of the big picture. We have uh, a lot of uh, individual rivalries in uh, cricket, as in team rivalries. Because the Ashes, India-Pakistan, um, you know, England-West Indies, India-West Indies even, quite storied. But, uh, Suhas, can you talk a bit about um, India-New Zealand? Like, uh, do you think that it often uh, doesn't get the due? Or is it, I mean, there are been quite a few... Uh, good matches and a uh, lot of storied cricket, a lot of fine performances down the years. I mean, last time we spoke about the 98-99 series and how uh, Azhar and Sachin and Simon Dool all had fine performances. But do you feel it somewhat gets lost in the overall scheme of things? Yeah, it uh, very much does, uh, Sid. In fact, uh, in the World Cup last year, uh, when that uh, the league game against India and New- between India and New Zealand got washed out, uh, someone had pointed out that the teams uh, had not met, met since 2003 and uh, they just it just seems as though they never run in, into each other at major tournaments. And uh, uh, the sh- scheduled test series between them have been uh, few and far between. I did think there was a time in the late 90s and the early 2000s where uh, it was possible to have a rivalry going. Um, the 98-99 series that you guys discussed on the podcast last time was... A closely fought one, had that thriller in Wellington. And uh, New Zealand uh, returned to India later in 99, if you recall, the 83 all-out uh, series. Uh, they competed pretty well. Uh, that again went 1-0 to the hosts in India's favour that time, but New Zealand uh, held their own, I felt. Uh, fast forward to 2002 to 2003, uh, there was, of course, that infamous uh, 2-0 uh, sweep by New Zealand in home conditions. Uh, had India crying out for revenge and uh, Harbhajan saying that uh, he couldn't wait to uh, get get at New Zealand back at home and uh, New Zealand came and drew both the tests. Uh, so I always felt that Fleming, Ganguly, those two outfits uh, had uh, there was a reasonable chance of de- de- rivalry developing then, but it all just sort of fizzled out after that. Uh, there have been something like just five or six series in the last 18 years between these two teams. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, it's interesting that you point out those two series. I mean, the one in 2002-2003 before the World Cup that was just um, bowler-friendly and there was uh, carnage there with the low-scoring uh, tests. And then you have 2003-2004 uh, when New Zealand came to India and then you had the other extreme where you had Mark Richardson uh, you know, doggedly batting out uh, time and uh, it ended in two draws. So, uh, it's almost like um, that was the great chance for the teams to uh, produce some fine tests and... Uh, give us the memorable contest. But ever since then, um, things have sort of... And, and even the space between the series has got uh, much more now. Like uh, in the last uh, 11 years, I think uh, they've basically uh, played, what, four of four series, I would think? Because India went there and won in 2009, that famous series where Gautam Gambhir made that um, marathon, played that marathon knock. And then uh, New Z- um, India again went in... Um, 2014, when, uh, you know, Dhoni was still captain, one of his uh, last series as captain. And then New Zealand came to India in 2016. I mean, unless I'm missing something in between. Seems like uh, pretty few series for two pretty good sides in that time frame. Hey, wasn't uh, Kane Williamson's debut series in India? 
Yeah, I'm probably that's missing one series in between. Correct. Yeah, yeah he hit a like he hit a. Yeah, so yeah, 2010. Okay, so even then, I mean, it just uh, seems like uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I haven't uh, paid as much attention as I should, and I'm basically reinforcing the point that uh, I'm trying to make that um, you know it's not. Uh, it's they probably played too few tests, and even within the series, like if you take the last time India went to New Zealand, uh, the two test series, both really good tests, and India came within 40 runs of uh, chasing a 400 plus score in the first test. and then in the second test india were again on top until mccallum came up with this mad triple 100 uh, you know the first ever triple 100 by a new zealander so yeah what what are your memories of that series guys i mean you remember watching it closely and you thought india could have done better slightly better there so the first test at least uh, uh, you you kind of knew when india got all out for 202 that match is gone uh even though we tried chasing 400 and then we came short of 40 there was no hope there but the second match i really thought that we had a great chance and then mccallum and bj watling partnership happened and it kept happening i think that year uh we did we had two such instances right one in new zealand and one in south africa the other instance was like when ABD Villiers and Faf in South Africa also denied us a win, and and very nearly won that test as well. So, uh, yeah, that series was kind of frustrating. And and also like uh, later in the year, you go to Australia and then you have this Adelaide test where you come off come very close to chasing again like a a big total and then you fall short. So it was like that whole phase had uh, those missed opportunities. Yeah, that was a very interesting series, the 2014 one, because it was a period of transition for India, as you recall. Sachin uh, Tendulkar had just retired a uh, couple of months just before that uh, South Africa tour, I think, and uh, um, there were a lot of batsmen who were still sort of finding their feet. Uh, I think at the Test level, uh, Kohli had uh, was still sort of in uh, his development phase. Phase, I think, he came of age. He would only come of age properly as a Test batsman in Australia later in 2014. There was Rahane, who was only a few tests old. There was uh, Davan and Vijay, who were uh, a year-old uh, opening combination. Uh, uh, I think for that lineup uh, uh, against uh, two bowlers who were just hitting their stride in Saudi and Bolt, uh, they uh, yeah, it was still early days for them. And I think uh, that uh, despite having MS Dhoni as captain back then, uh, I got the feeling there was a little bit of uh, I don't know uh, inability to close out games then. Uh, perhaps and uh, new zealand were also in a period of transition if you recall uh, mccallum was a year into the job but uh, i think that was around the time his team was really starting to turn things around uh, williamson was starting to convert his province into actual under the, the test level and uh, saudi and bolt were really relishing uh, uh, that new ball partnership uh, that was early on in their career but uh, they were already a force back then and uh, that was probably uh, neil wagner's uh, first real uh, Uh, i would say match winning performance at the test level uh, if you recall he was a major factor in uh, india not being able to chase down that uh, 4 460 uh, yeah i actually went back to um, match reports from that test and uh, there was one headline from uh, crickinfo that said uh, wagner comes of age uh, or something to that effect and i was like wow uh, it's um, that's pretty much when wagner started and it's uh, it seems like he's been um you know of, of now of course he's like uh, such a regular feature in their bowling lineup but i was just um, it was interesting to see how that was a kind of a turning point for him that wellington test the uh, second test of course four teams would remember it very differently i think new zealand as uh, the crowning glory of the uh, mccallum era and you know taking them out of the previous era and uh, india for uh, it having slipped through the fingers for sure and then of course in the reverse series uh, when new zealand came to india i mean that was um, uh quite a one sided contest uh and um, you know conditions by which time uh, by which time mccallum had retired right yeah yeah by which time uh, yeah that was then williamson's team that played in india and uh, you know um yeah it uh, i mean it's not fair to talk about that series when talking uh, when building up to this but because the conditions were so different and also i think um, new zealand have considerably improved Uh, after that in uh, asian conditions i mean recently they won in uh, 
uh, Pakistan, which is uh, in UAE, which is uh, extremely uh, fine achievement. And then they went to Sri Lanka and then they had that win uh, to draw the series. So uh, I think uh, after that India series, they got much better in Asia. I was telling this to Sid and Bahesh the other day that uh, uh, outside of like uh, India even, New Zealand have a very, very solid middle-order game. Uh, I would say it's the best middle-order game in tests right now, when you see across teams. Uh, they have Kane Williamson, Ross Taylor, uh, uh, Henry Nichols. The sore spot there might be the all-rounder. They are still figuring that point out. But they have a very good middle-order game. And even openers, right? That is another thing. I mean, if if uh, if they find a partner to lay them, they would be a very, very good batting side if uh, conditions are slightly even favouring batting. They would be very hard to dismiss. Well, Australians may not agree with that because New Zealand <laughs> yeah, yeah. went to Australia. So, 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 yeah. <laughs> I made the point just before that series and then that happened. So... <laughs> I would I would rather consider that as a slight anomaly, but uh, yeah, when you say uh, when you discard that series, the two years leading up to that, uh, I mean, New Zealand has been fantastic. Yeah, I was actually really disappointed with that series because I expected it to be much closer than it was. I know Australia is terrific at home and things, but I thought the way New Zealand have uh, improved over the last few years and the way they were building up to this season, I really thought that uh, they could pull off at least one test and maybe, you know, compete hard in the other two. And I was hoping to see, you know, either um, the Boxing Day test or, uh, I mean, Sydney, I didn't think they'd have much of a chance given the conditions, but both Perth and um, Melbourne, I thought they would be compete much better. But for whatever reason, I mean, by the time they got to Sydney, the injuries were just too much. So, let's forget about that. But uh, Perth and Melbourne, uh, uh, Suhas, should we take that series as an, any indicator? Or do we just uh, wipe it off as a blip and say that uh, whatever happened there uh, is not likely to be reflective of what we are likely to see in this series? So, there are a couple of ways to look at that series, uh, Sid. Um, interesting that you brought that up. Uh, uh, a few mitigating factors for New Zealand in that series. Um, first of all, the the preparation for that series was less than ideal. Um, uh, I think in the podcast you had with Michael earlier on on the New Zealand team, you brought up the topic of the series against England before that and uh, how yeah. uh, uh, benign the pitches uh, seemed, right? Whether uh, attritional cricket was a good idea or not. Now, yeah. what they encountered at Perth was the complete opposite of the what they saw in the, what we saw in that series. Uh, that pitches with pace and bounce, uh, 40 degree heat, and uh, a relentless uh, Australian attack. So, uh, if I may make an analogy, uh, if you recall uh, uh, India in 93 to 96, the Azar Wade era, if you like, uh, we played a lot of cricket at home. Uh, India played a lot of cricket at home. They um, there were very there were very few uh, away tours in that period. I think uh, maybe one off test in New Zealand and one in Sri Lanka where we won. And uh, uh, we had a good uh, uh, period then, but uh, as soon as uh, 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 India went to South Africa in '96 and then West Indies in '97, as uh, uh, we all know what happened, right? There was Durban '96 uh, and, and England also. England also they collapsed England, at yes, as well. Yeah, yeah, we had uh, a lot of memorable batting performances uh, from the Indian side in that in the, across those tours, but. Uh, everyone's abiding memory uh, is uh, Durban, Bridgetown. Of course, the, uh, the legacy is, of course, very evident now. That's a good. That's a good analogy because um, at home, uh, New Zealand have been formidable. I mean, in the last, um, I mean, ever since maybe five, six years, and especially in the yeah. Williamson era. I mean, apart from South Africa, who won a test there, and of course went on to win the series uh, by getting out of uh, jail thanks to rain. Uh, they, New Zealand have, uh, I mean, and of course, they lost to Australia back in maybe 2016. But apart from those two, New Zealand have been uh, unbeaten at home and uh, quite uh, uh, formidable. I mean, uh, most uh, teams who have gone there have uh, had a 
tough time and many of the teams have just been wiped out i mean sri lanka were lucky to i mean were also good enough to save a test thanks to matthews and um, mendes but then they didn't they couldn't do much in the next one so yeah i think uh, new zealand are um, quite strong very strong at home and makes up makes for a really good series this time because india have been very good both home and away of late so um, yeah so uh, i would put that down to a bit of unfamiliarity the fact there was no match up uh, no warm up proper warm up for the australian tour as well in australia the england series was not great preparation uh, on the other hand uh, what i'd like to say is that uh, the uh, stability which has uh, new zealand has uh, 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 had over the last 6 uh, or 7 years the mccallum and williamson errors uh, the stability having a settled uh, top 6 and a bowling lineup uh, that sometimes can be a double edged sword and uh, too much consistency and conservative selection might uh, get you a bit stale like and australian tours have a habit of uh, sort of bringing that out uh, think of england in the 2013 14 ashes mitchell johnson's ashes or even india down under in 1992 those tours have a, sometimes have uh, the ability to show show up symptoms or chinks in the armor in this case maybe uh, new zealand uh, uh haven't uh, developed a bench strength uh, as well as they would like for test matches to come in when the uh, your first cho- first choice 11 is uh someone is not fit or out of form so we saw that in the australian tour where uh, they had to call a blundle for example to open the batting he he did well but uh, you don't want a backup uh, wicketkeeper sort of coming in and uh, opening the batting uh, i mean that's not an ideal scenario in my opinion so uh the on the uh, cautionary on the cautionary side may maybe it is signs that new zealand have to start thinking beyond their first choice 11 a little bit and that could be something that uh, we'll get to know a bit more of in the series no disrespect to colin de grandom but should they really persist with him in test is what i would i would ask actually like i know mahesh says that he is one of those uh, all-rounders who has like above 30 average when batting and below 30 average when bowling but but really i don't think he is they should really have one good all-rounder that uh, kind of gives relief to saudi bolt and wagner because we see uh, these three bowlers bowl around 20 25 overs uh, every innings and, and and that's kind of not ideal when you want to even stick to the number 2 world ranking right uh, that that kind of is a problem for them the fifth bowling option is kind of a problem for new zealand no but i think in new zealand and uh, you know maybe even in england in those kind of conditions uh, colin de grandom is uh, invaluable because uh, he can uh, you know in australia i think it was he was slightly i mean he was also good for stretches there too but i think the conditions uh, kind of uh, blunted him out and the they could uh, play him out much easier but uh, with in new zealand especially in the first innings in new zealand where the ball tends to talk a bit uh, and uh, with his lower order batting i think uh, he becomes a automatic selection in that team i don't uh, at least for now i don't think uh, they would uh, consider in fact uh, they've even been going for santner in australia uh, partly i guess because of his batting but uh, that may change in this series uh, they may think of uh, ajaz patel or uh, yeah, i guess he's the other is the first choice option because uh, astel todd astel is now retired and uh, somerville is injured but uh, colin de grandom i think um, yeah has to play the other positive of course is um, from the australia series which was an expected positive but no doubt a very very good performance was by neil wagner i mean despite uh, all the conditions lack of support the australian batting uh, you know doing really well i think uh, wagner was the one bowler who kept at it bowled his long spells and uh, somehow at the end of a long day would uh, end up as the most successful one so yeah i'm i'm uh, i think he continues to be the biggest threat at least in the second innings for them and uh, it'll be really good to watch him in this series against uh, kohli and uh, gang Yeah, how does it work, Mucha? He doesn't have the pace. He he relies uh, heavily on the short ball uh, strategy. It, it defies expectations, right? Like when you're bowling at one the high one twenties, the early one thirties, 
and uh, you are predominantly reliant on the short ball or back of the length uh, bowling in, there is not much success i mean we have seen 8 years of ishan sharma doing that but <laughs> so uh, i am really surprised that his strategy is working across years and and across conditions even in subcontinent he's very very effective and for a long period of time as well so that man is kind of a surprise machine for me and and to and just shouting and a shout out there i mean neil wagner fan from 2016 before <laughs> like i i am like the og fan from before the <laughs> cricket for article started uh, glorifying it you're you're the neil <laughs> wagner fan before it became cool to be the neil wagner fan yeah 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 kind of yeah so so before we spoke about it <laughs> yeah yeah before monga made him the made it cool to follow it i i spoke about uh, neil wagner to mike uh, michael actually uh, similar name not the same name but uh, we did a podcast with uh, uh, the new zealand uh, cricket writer uh, which i'll link to in the pod and he he spoke about uh, two things he said one uh, wagner bowls uh, major uh, majority of his overs between overs 60 and 80 uh, so that is something that uh, you know where batting teams tend to take the game away from uh, opposition in most cases because uh, you know the lead bowlers are not as effective the spinners are on sometimes the pitch is not uh, assisting enough but the fact that he comes in in that phase and uh, digs it in at uh, you know chest chest high and at a perfect length you know where it's very difficult to get away he cramps you for room and that sort of is a factor that most teams aren't used to because that's when they expect easy runs and uh, wagner just doesn't give it to them so that was a interesting point he made and the other thing of course is that he's uh, can be as effective with uh, even if you want to trust him with the new ball so i mean he usually doesn't uh, bowl because they have saudi and bolt who are extremely good with the new ball but um, you know at times if you want to give him the second new ball even and uh, he can produce there as well so it's it's that versatility i think that uh, really makes him the bowler that he is even though he lacks pace and uh, uh, you know excessive swing as some bowlers have a little known fact about neil wagner i mean unless uh, unless you used to follow new zealand cricket very closely at one point of time domestic cricket that is uh, uh, he when he was uh, spending his time qualifying for new zealand playing for uh, otago in the domestic scene uh, he was uh, very much a new ball bowler and uh, a uh, conventional left arm swing bowler um there was uh, this first class game in 2011 where he took uh, i think four wickets in five balls there's a very uh, a very grainy youtube video of the, there out there uh, somewhere uh, shows him actually castling all those tailenders i think all all four of them were bowls i think so when he made his debut in 2012 all of us were led to believe that uh, you know uh, Uh, second coming of wasim akram or something like that and uh, when we saw what we got uh, we were uh, uh, we were we felt we had been completely let down and it was all hype but uh, he uh, he showed us another side to him after that i mean he reinvented himself completely seeing that saudi and bolt uh, uh, took the new ball and uh, he needed to find his niche in the team so he very quickly adapted to that and uh, look how well he's done that in fact back in the 2014 series if you recall uh, in india were chasing 406 shikhar dhawan hit that century in the second innings and uh, looked like taking the game away from new zealand and wagner came uh, around the wicket uh, i think uh, bowled in that bouncer pitch well outside the leg stump and uh, i think uh, dhawan was out taking evasive action uh, flicked the glove on the way to watling that was unplayable so uh, i think those were uh, uh, that was probably my first memory of when uh, wagner actually uh, showed how effective he could be as uh, the first change uh, primarily short ball uh, bowler yeah so let me actually uh, get a i mean when uh, suhas was talking about uh, following wagner in domestic cricket back in the uh, early uh, 2010s i thought i should ask suhas about his uh, new zealand cricket fandom i mean i have very rarely met a new zealand cricket fan in india i'm i'm sure that many exist especially now uh but uh, back when um, you know in the 2000s and late 90s i mostly used to run into you know either australia fans or of course the west indies fans people of the slightly older generation who followed the great west indies team and then uh, there were a few south african fans 
sorry the <laughs> uh, west indies fans are still among our generation and uh, the next one are still around believe me oh yeah, yeah i'm i i used to um, f- uh, support west indies whenever they played uh, um, most teams so yeah i mean i'm very much part of that and then uh, i'm sure they're younger ones too but so has tell us about your new zealand fandom how did it begin and uh, you know you i remember even back in the early 2000s when um, the social media and even uh, many internet sites weren't too up to date you used to follow new zealand cricket and even the domestic cricket pretty seriously tell us about it uh, well it began uh, uh, as you may be able to guess it began uh, in the 1990 with the 1992 world cup and uh, uh, i think most people uh, know what happened there with uh, martin crow uh, uh, exploiting new zealand uh, home conditions to the fullest the size of the grounds he knew them at the back of his hand he came up with the ploy of uh, course opening the batting with great patch uh, opening the bowling with patel but uh, it wasn't just that it was uh, also i think his batting uh, was some of, uh, was uh, made a huge impression on me as uh, as a youngster that was uh, probably the first major tournament i followed i followed india's tour to australia the previous summer but uh, that was my apart from that my first uh, taste of uh, global cricket and uh, uh that really captured the imagination and uh, the fact that uh, uh new zealand didn't enjoy much success after that uh, made it a bit of a mystery and uh, martin crow went missing from the lineup so often because of injury so that kind of uh, deepened my resolve to uh, uh try and find out what was happening with these guys so i used to look through whatever sources i could find maybe stray articles in the hindu or the sports star or uh, um uh, when a few years later when cricket for finally came to us you'd uh, i think you'd have uh, old match reports uh, suddenly surfacing and uh, uh, you'd finally have access to news uh, of what was actually happening on the ground in new zealand and uh, uh, that's when it really took root i would uh, i would say and uh, i tried to get hold of whatever uh, bits and pieces of news i could find and uh, uh, even though new zealand were not a very successful team i used to sort of delight in the small joys whenever they came around it was uh, when stephen fleming turned the side around in the late 90s that uh, was uh, quite a source of inspiration and uh, I, i just never looked back uh, even though even though it was tough being a fan in the previous decade i would say yeah but the one good thing was that um, in the 90s and 2000s uh, we uh, there was quite regular coverage of uh, international cricket from new zealand so even when new zealand was play- playing uh, um you know west indies or uh, any other team you often got to see new zealand games so i am imagining you were uh, someone who used to wake up at uh, 3:30 in the morning to watch those so oh, yeah i did my fair share of that yes uh, wake up at 3:30 and see wasim and wakar making their uh, annual pilgrimage to new zealand and knocking over the stumps and uh, <laughs> finding joy in young and thompson making putting together a 200 run partnership and winning at uh, christchurch uh, yeah that was uh, that was the time i guess it still continues but uh, one of the things i always associate with new zealand is like with every test match or every other test match there'd be a new pair of openers and uh, you know they they went through openers like like nobody's business <laughs> you, i mean i i can uh, i'm sure you have all the names intact but you know people like michael paps come to mind when i think of new zealand openers who probably you know the and um, Craig Spearman Sinclair Sinclair yeah uh, Sinclair Craig Spearman guys who Spearman, who, yes. who briefly who were there who were briefly there made like some mega score Sinclair probably even made a double right on debut yes <laughs> on debut and then that just gone disappeared <laughs> yeah so yeah, there's a yeah there's a saying among the new zealand cricket fans at least those who follow test cricket and the saying is the the wheel is forever and they're referring to the uh, the the wheel of new zealand the uh, cricket opener is just uh, yeah one guy in for few tests gets discarded uh, the next guy uh, next cap of the rank comes in gets tried out gets found out eventually plays 10 12 tests and so on um i i think off late uh, they've been a, they were a bit more successful with uh, latham of course and uh, uh, jeet rawal unfortunately has run into a, a lot of uh, um problems of late bad form and uh, his confidence has taken a beating so it remains to be seen Uh, if uh, they can find uh, a stable long term partner for later okay so let's uh, just uh, wrap up the new zealand segment of things by uh, talking about the 11 uh, so it, if bolt is fit which seems likely i don't know i didn't uh, look at any news today but uh, seems that he may play 
looks like uh, New Zealand will be pretty much first choice. I mean, I guess uh, Tom Lundell will open and um, they will, uh, it's up to between um, Ajaz Patel and Santner, right? Uh, Suhas, am I reading that right? That's right. So, Bolt, uh, Bolt's fitness is definitely key. Uh, with him, the attack just, uh, I think, uh, has a touch of real class to it. Um, Saudi, of course, uh, has been a force in test cricket for quite a while, but uh, he's been a little down on pace uh, in the last few years. Uh, I think, I would say 2014-15 was his absolute peak when he was swinging the ball at good pace. Uh, uh, he and Bolt uh, together opening the attack on, in those conditions uh, just uh, makes New Zealand that much stronger. But uh, it needs to be a fit and firing uh, Trent Bolt. We've seen occasions in the past where uh, he's just come back from injury, injury and uh, not quite looked at his best. So, they need a fit and firing Trent Bolt. And uh, the spinner, of course, uh, would like to see Ajaz in there. I imagine they would go with him. But um, I think, uh, uh, Sid, uh, you had uh, earlier uh, told me, uh, wondered uh, why Ajaz was uh, over, seemed to be overlooked of late uh, considering his performances in the subcontinent. I think the, the management sees him and Williamson sees him largely as uh, a subcontinent type bowler, someone like uh, in the mould of Arangana Herath. And uh, at home in New Zealand or in conditions like those in Australia, which are not very conducive to spin, they've tended to go for someone like Santner who can offer a bit of the batting. Uh, put Ajaz in there and the tail is a little long. You have Saudi, Bolt, Wagner and Ajaz. So, the batting very much stops at uh, 7 if they go with that. Saudi is uh, not too bad as a batsman. Uh, not too bad, but uh, you generally know what you're going to get with uh, Tim Saudi uh, with the bat. You'll... Uh, uh, you'll probably see a couple of entertaining sixes. Uh, you'll very occasionally see some resistance from him, but uh, at least uh, my main impression of him uh, off late has been someone who's good for a quick uh, 18 or 20. Uh, rarely stays in, rarely digs in, if you like. Yeah, and Santner, I think, uh, pretty much uh, cemented that uh, what he's capable of with that 100 against England. And uh, he sort of gave them that extra dimension there and uh, automatically chose himself for the test in Australia. So, yeah, so I totally agree. And Ashoka, talking about, um, you spoke about the last time India were there in Wellington and you said how, you know, by in the first innings, the match, you felt the match was pretty much done. And uh, it seems like a trend in New Zealand over the last uh, few years. It's like um, the first innings and second innings are two vastly different beasts there. The first two days, the ball does a lot and uh, teams struggle to put uh, 200, 250 on the board. But then the second innings is a different thing altogether. You have 400, 500, batsmen getting uh, doubles. You had uh, BJ Watling recently, um, you know, even before that. It's almost like you can win the game in, I mean, or at least seal the game in the first two days, right? If uh, you have a good day with the ball. Yeah, and and that margin is also vanishing a bit because uh, the second day also the I think uh, the pitch starts settling down. The conditions are good for batting. So uh, bowling, what we were used to in the nineties and the late to, I mean the early two thousands, is not that kind of a game in New Zealand anymore. Uh, and and I think that's because. Uh, of of the excessive uses, usage of pitches across formats, I don't know what that is, but uh, uh, batting seems to be a lot easier in New Zealand these days. And even in the England series, if you see, uh, if if England's middle order was a little bit more solid than than what it is, uh, maybe maybe you could have seen uh, a couple more draws. Uh, so. So it it's not going to be that easy to get twenty wickets until you unless you have like a a sharp bowling unit and 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 it is worth exploring the option of having spinners in New Zealand. Uh, I know it's historically they are not that effective, but even as like say, say to restrict runs to to induce a bit of attrition in the scoring and uh, stifle batsmen out, it's worth having one spinner one solid spinning option in your team and uh, so so to suhas's earlier point i think uh, patel must be given a chance uh, ahead of uh, uh, let's say santner or, or i don't know if it's santner versus grandom or santner versus patel but 
it is worth having that kind of uh, an option uh, especially with india uh, because even see if you see uh, we kind of have attacking batsmen except of course pujara uh, you kind of have an attacking uh, top 6 it it is worth uh, uh, the gamble new zealand can take that gamble and have a spinner yeah i feel uh, yeah, new zealand uh, of of all the you know of, of among the countries to tour new zealand is um, one place which really rewards uh, a balanced and uh, balanced team and uh, india has that balanced team i mean you have the quality pace attack you have two really good spinners you have batsmen who have uh, you know who have you have the technically correct batsmen who can weather the tough conditions and you also have um, those who can um, you know score quickly when the bat- going gets good so i feel unlike um, you know in england and australia where you can get a kind of a standardized condition across the uh, five days of course things change and the pitch wears out and all that but in new zealand the uh polar opposites of what you get on day 1 and day 3 even um is quite a good test for most teams and uh, you know the the most balanced teams usually come through um so i'm hoping that uh, india pick wisely and uh, don't necessarily uh ignore the fact that uh, two spinners may do maybe a very good decision especially if uh, for the second innings to get new zealand out yes uh, both uh, you and ashoka made very good valid points uh, said uh, in fact uh, uh, i think the likes of nathan lyon and keshav maharaj have both uh, done well in new zealand in the past so well worth exploring uh, by india with uh, ashwin and jadeja to pick from and uh, new zealand have had their problems against uh, those two albeit on in, in indian conditions and also to uh, add uh, to the point about uh, the grounds and the surfaces in new zealand uh, i just came across a very uh, interesting piece of uh, stats work uh, i saw online uh, someone from uh, one of the forums i visit one of the forums i troll through uh, dug this out uh, in the last uh, 10 years this decade in new zealand uh, 2010 to 20 um only uh, there have been 40 test matches played and uh, only six times has the captain uh, winning the toss actually decided to bat first uh, the the captain winning the toss has decided to bowl first 34 out of those times uh, those is 40 times and uh, the win loss uh, ratio for the side bowling first has been 14 to 10 so which tells you two things um, uh, while bowling first doesn't necessarily guarantee uh, that you'll win the game uh batting first batting badly first up could definitely lose you the game and uh when cap- captains are very keen on that first session getting out there and uh, bowling right up first yeah that's very interesting i hadn't uh, checked the um, numbers but i i knew that the trend was towards uh bowling first but this is damn interesting that it's only six six teams that have decided to or six captains who have decided to bat first so so given kohli's atrocious uh, uh, toss uh, <laughs> i mean history i think we are going to bat first both both the tests well he won all three tosses against south africa and uh, didn't he win also against didn't the bangladesh also there were didn't india win at least one toss oh so so no test i mean toss is now categorized into test and uh, odi and t20s <laughs> because uh, the last i think uh, this 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 ongoing series i don't think he has had much luck with the toss yeah it's so. um yeah I, well but but the good thing is um i feel that india have a team that can uh, stay uh, you know still compete even if uh, they are they get bowled out for sub 150 in the first innings i think uh, they still have the bowling attack and the batting to Uh, in the second innings to stay in the game i don't think we are that i don't think india is the team that uh, like earlier where one bad session or two bad sessions and then the test is gone so uh, hopefully let's see and and talking about uh, uh, you know um, let's let's get to talk about india's batting which <laughs> uh, now that we are here uh, there's been quite a bit of talk about the openers because the rest of the team at least uh 3 3 4 and 
pick themselves and uh, uh, six is a toss up but um, there was an article i read by karthik uh, krishnaswami in kickinfo where there was a he was mentioning how vihari could be a potential candidate as an opener uh, what are your thoughts on that ashoka and uh, or do you just see uh, mayank and uh, prithvi being the most logical of the picks? no that's actually that's actually a good idea because uh, vihari has opened once in australia right so uh i mean that's not a bad idea at all and given that now he has scored 100 uh the recency effect might also skew it in his favor uh so I, I, ideally i would like one of prithvi shaw or or shubman gill to open with mayank and uh, uh but bihar is actually given that he has a good year in the test and uh, He has done well in West Indies, he, so why not? Why not uh, persist with him? And uh, deceptively, I keep thinking that he's thirty plus. He's not. He's very young. So um, he's so, what? Twenty seven now? Twenty seven, twenty eight, right? Is, is he younger than that? Oh he's wow! Younger than that, he's twenty five. Okay, he's okay. been forever, man. He's been in forever. I've been uh, looking at that dude uh, in IPL for. like for 10 years now i don't know when he started playing so <laughs> well um it's interesting because um you have different problems for different of these guys right like different concerns rather i mean all of them may well do well i mean vihari is like you he it's a good a guy to uh, trust up the order but he's also a great value to have at uh, number 6 in case there's a collapse up out in the top order you have uh, Uh, mayank who has been in red hot in india but then uh, technically it's still unknown in new zealand he's also had a bit of struggle with in the one day series um prithvi shaw has had this long break and then shubman gill is primarily i would think young batsman uh, you would want to give him a bit of a middle order uh, opening rather than putting him up front so eventually i think uh, shastri and kohli just uh, put uh, write their names in chits of paper and then pick two right so uh, not uh, as keen on the idea of bihari opening uh, but uh, that's more uh, because in principle not a big fan of uh, middle order batsmen being converted um however uh, probably feel that bihari is a sounder choice than shaw just for the store um, shaw's game uh, seems to be a little expansive uh, at this point and uh, perhaps uh, i'm not sure if he would have the uh, the same discipline that vihari might bring in to see off that new ball early on um however gill uh, is a very compelling case for me uh, he's in red hot form at the moment and uh, he was also uh, the incumbent of the squad i think uh, he was uh, um selected for the squad for the home series against south africa so uh, it's a tough one but uh, for me uh, maybe gill uh, vihari and shaw in that order to partner me So coming back to the case of Agarwal, uh, uh, I just like to hear from you both. Uh, do you think we should read too much into that uh, one-day series when it comes to Mayank? I mean, uh, people have started asking questions, but he was put in for to an unfamiliar role. I think uh, brought in. Yeah, yeah, but I think even people are asking questions about Bumrah. I mean, so I wouldn't read too much into that. I mean, in the tests, we should give him the rope that uh, at least KL Rahul got because uh, he's been. coming up the ranks uh, in domestic and he's been knocking on like uh, uh, the doors of the international side for a while now and now, now that he has got a chance he's done well considering that uh, he's done well in australia and uh, pretty well in New- west indies as well i think there is no reason why we should read too much into it uh, if he has an extended 2 3 series failure then we have backups till then i think mayank and rohit should be our first choice No, but here's the deal, right? Like Mayank, even when he was scoring against South Africa, people were pointing out a few technical deficiencies um, that could catch up with him at some point. So it's not like uh, this just came up recently. So the question yeah. that uh, Kohli and Shastri and uh, uh, whoever makes these decisions has to ask is very simple. They're like, okay, irrespective of his technical deficiencies, this guy has scored runs. He has put the runs on the board. So. do we just uh, you know trust him and say that okay whatever he uh, however he bats 
let's just say that um, you know make the runs and you'll keep your spot or do they go the other way and do they say that hey we know that he made the runs but uh, we are uh, astute enough judges to say that he will not succeed here and so we go with bihari so that's the choice that they make i mean usually uh, it depends on the thinking of the management in that case some some people say runs are all that matter some people say hey no we we know that this may not work so that let's see what they do i won't be surprised if they play him and i can see people thinking it's grossly unfair if they drop him but um, you know yeah but but i mean if you see kohli and shastri i mean they are not the ones who fix things that are not broken so um, i mean if your opener gives you 200 runs and bats out uh, like say 400 450 balls across a uh, two test series why would you why would you have causes to even doubt even though he's technically he has technical problems but uh, uh, why wouldn't you why would you want to change it because uh, if you remember shikhar dhawan was not all that technically suited for the test game but he was given a long rope and even when rahul was failing it was mostly technical because uh, that's true uh, and even uh, hardik they trusted him uh, even though yeah. he uh, had uh, he was not the technically perfect batsman they trusted the fact that he went for it and uh, was positive and all that so i think if you if you go by the technical aspect of it i think uh, you will have like five to six batsmen left at uh, test cricket uh, even babar asam plays some expensive cricket uh, expensive cricket shots in tests uh, those are beautiful to watch but uh, yeah so uh, the, i mean you would only want mayank out of the team or even question go down that route if like there are a consistent set of failures across two three tests so i think for the remainder of the year given our schedule uh, he should be in the team barring injuries he should be like the number one choice him and rohit uh, for this year at least uh, that is two tests here four in australia and uh, five in england from home yeah it'll be interesting if um, uh, 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 to see if uh, the openers uh, whoever they pick if they do have a tremendous series then it'll be interesting to see how rohit then comes back and fits into the jigsaw but i guess that's going to take a while so okay so um, let's but but uh, before we go i mean in general these are good problems to have i mean these are not the problems that uh, Uh, gives uh, like the coach and the captain anxiety these are good you have like three people knocking for one slot and these three people can fit in just as easily into the middle order as well so these are great problems to have it is great to be kohli at this moment yeah and, and you have uh, and you have rohit and kl rahul not even in the squad at the moment so yeah yeah, yeah absolutely i mean uh, no doubt that these are happy headaches as they say uh davan who was uh, i think uh, our best batsman in the pre- on the last tour uh, can't even uh, not even in the frame for uh, as opener now yeah exactly he he's not even been in the test uh, reckoning for a while now so yeah uh, let's uh, okay now, but now that we are at it so um, um we don't know the we, we might as well just go with um, the rest of the team so as we discussed uh, five five bowlers would mean Jadeja batting at six or seven, right? I mean, Saha at six, I guess, and Jadeja at seven. And uh, then you have Ashwin, if they go with the second spinner. Uh, Ishant is uh, fit, by the way. He's uh, there's news just came in that uh, he has passed that fitness test, so he he's in New Zealand. So then I'm imagining Ishant, uh, Bumrah, and Shami being the first three picks. Sad for Umesh, but. Um, that's how it goes I, i think it will be sad for ashwin as well i mean uh, um i think highly likely that they will go with one spinner and uh, uh, because uh, <laughs> yeah i mean you would want to they would want a, they may want a proper opener and vihari in the batting order so that would mean four bowlers with three paces and jadeja and uh, vihari supporting that is also not a bad option considering how good the three bowlers are and and how good jadeja is in tests so ashwin might not make it to the 11 as well so. well i think it would be 
I mean, if the conditions are similar to what we expect and what we have seen, I mean, I'm not talking about those England test conditions, which basically uh, no bowler, I mean, very few bowlers rather would have uh, had a chance to run through sides there. But if the pitches are like the first two days or first day and a half of uh, spiciness and then more batting friendly, I think it will be prudent to pick two spinners actually because... uh, a three-man pace attack, I think, is adequate for India to exploit the conditions on the first day, day and a half. But I think they will need that extra those two spinners to help them get through New Zealand in the second innings. And uh, instead of, uh, rather than be swayed entirely by the pitch, which is probably going to be green and uh, grassy, uh, they should also probably look at giving themselves the best chance to win the match. Uh, Ashoka, to add to your point, uh, Ashwin, I think, uh, is a very tempting selection also because uh, I think the opposition in this case have never been very comfortable against him. Obviously, they've only faced him at uh, in India. Uh, yeah, but that has been, yeah, that, but that, is, that was the case with uh, New Zealand, I mean, West Indies as well. Like, Ashwin had dominated West Indies like nobody's business, but uh, uh, both home and away, but uh, he was uh, overlooked for uh, for Jadeja. So, that is something that has always bothered me. I mean, that West Indies series is was a surprise for me that Ashwin didn't play. But, uh, sure, I mean, you can read it however you want. I mean, for, Yeah, I can I can totally understand uh, where you're coming from then if you're feeling a little uh, aggrieved about the, the treatment to Ashwin. So, Ishant is fit and he's gone. And so, uh, hopefully, he will make the 11. But, um, you never know. I mean, if uh, they feel that he doesn't. Uh, he hasn't really uh, recovered like uh, the to the extent to which they want. Then I guess uh, Umesh gets the slight look in. Or does Navdeep Saini have a chance at all? Or it'll definitely be Umesh, right? If it's the yeah, yeah. if Ishant yeah, is yeah. not fit, yeah, yeah, it will be it will be Ishant, Ishant or Umesh. So yeah, Ishant uh, or Umesh. Uh, Shami, uh, of course, uh, Shami the Great will be there, and uh, Bumrah. So Bumrah, as you said, people. Uh, talking about him and uh, during the one-day series and saying that maybe he's uh, lost a bit of it. But uh, he, he can warm up game. That is, to... Yeah, he, that is kind of rubbish, right? Like, uh, the guy is just coming back into, into the international scene of things. Like, he's had a... He's, he's had a hardcore injury. He's coming back and... Uh, so, it is kind of unfair to judge him before he has even played a test. I think he's far more valuable in tests uh, than he is in the shorter formats. And uh, he should be conserved as much as possible and he should be given every test opportunity. Yeah. So, Williamson versus uh, Bumrah for me is shaping up to be possibly the defining contest of the series. Uh, we saw they had a very good battle in the third uh, T20. I think where Williamson got the better of Bumrah, hit, uh, took New Zealand uh, almost home and then uh, before that super over kicked in. But uh, that would obviously be at the back of uh, Bumrah's mind. And I'm sure he has plans of his own for Williamson Test Series and uh, uh, vice versa. So, uh, And uh, I have no doubts we'll see uh, Williamson coming out pretty early to bat uh, at some point or the other. So uh, that would be a, a defining face-off for me in the series up ahead. Um, lest we forget, there is uh, something called this World Test Championship that is going on. Uh, though, of course, um, a lot of people have probably um, consigned that to the deep pockets of their memory without really caring for it. But at some point, uh, people will care for it because there will be a final and uh, uh, it'll, it promises to be you know, a pretty big game, at least as a one-off test. So, um, India are at the top of the table. Australia got caught up quite a bit. Uh, after their uh, performances against Pakistan and New Zealand, they are second. But New Zealand are, um, you know, with a win or two, New Zealand could be in a good position actually because um, New Zealand have uh, Bangladesh and West Indies uh, coming up, uh, both series which they would be favoured, uh, even though Bangladesh is away. But still, you would think New Zealand, given their Asian record recently, would uh, compete well there and do well there. West Indies at home, you would give New Zealand the favourite tag. So, uh, this, uh, Suhas, this series is, uh, you know, uh, from that point of view, far more important for yeah. New Zealand than it's for India, right? 
I think New Zealand have uh, one additional series against Pakistan after the West Indies series next year. But uh, even then, the point still stands that uh, yes, they have to win practically everything from here on to uh, be in with a shout at reaching the finals. Yeah, that Australia series really cost them. Uh, yeah, I think have... if they had even won one test and drawn another test or something, then they would have had a huge chance. But Australia whitewashing them meant Australia just went zoomed ahead in the table. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, they didn't do bad bad in the Ashes as well, right? It was two two. So yeah, it was two two, and then they uh, got uh, they the Pakistan and uh, New Zealand. They basically yeah tulped them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. I mean, as uh, I was saying, the thing with India and Australia is that. Uh, they have teams that seems to seem to be able to get on a roll and uh, whitewash teams uh, easily i mean india went to west indies uh, you know blank them and then uh, south africa blank them uh, so uh, most other teams like england and um, new zealand they can they win uh, one test two tests but i don't think they are uh, sides that will uh, whitewash teams with such uh, regularity so it looks like india and australia are pretty much set for that final but uh, anyway let's not get too far of far ahead of ourselves and let's uh, stick to this um, series and wrap up with predictions guys um, uh, w- let's um, start with suhas what do you uh, what, where do you think uh, i mean let's assume rain and rain stays away what do you think is going to happen and um, we'll uh, get back to you at the end of the series to <laughs> talk about how right this prediction was so i'm going with uh, 1-1 uh, uh, the two sides are very evenly matched india too good to not to win a test here uh, this time i feel uh, new zealand slight favorites uh, because of home conditions uh, both sides very evenly matched both have uh, key bowlers who are just returning from injury uh, both have um, slightly uh, uh, maybe a not a very settled opening combination in both cases and uh, very good number 3 and number 4 uh, batsman uh think it will uh, possibly come down to a few individual battles over there like uh, williamson bumrah i don't know uh, taylor versus the indian spinners probably uh, maybe more comfortable against them at home uh, cheteshwar pujara again uh, such a massive role to play in uh, 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 on day 1 maybe if india gets uh, sent in 1-1 uh, for me ashoka uh i am going to say 101 india uh i i'm thinking one of these tests may become a draw so wait uh, you're saying india will lose the series no i'm saying 10 india you mean yeah yeah 10 india okay 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 uh, uh, okay and so one of these will be a draw you're saying uh, uh predicting some weather or you're just saying they the pitches will make it a draw yeah i think there will be one one test where like uh the team is going to bat excessively long and and it may be a draw so it's just a i'm just getting a hunch from from the previous england series so i oh, will yeah. be wrong yeah it, it uh, comes down to the pitches for sure i mean if it's anything like the england series then uh, not only could you get a draw you could also get boring games which is the last thing you want when um, you know <laughs> when you're such an anticipated series you want uh, even some kind of uh, the pitches to provide some kind of excitement i am going to be totally bullish for once and i've seen the kind of um, ruthless streak from this indian team since that west indies tour and uh, i don't see them letting up and i'm going to be bullish enough to say 2-0 uh, of course i'm going to I, i may well uh, fall flat on my face and uh, but i i i see something in this indian test team that i haven't seen from any indian team in the past and i feel that um, this is their chance and i think they'll see they'll take it i think they'll take it and they'll uh, i i don't think uh, it'll be uh, uh, i don't think uh, they'll dominate like they did against uh, south africa but i think they'll find a way to win both tests and it could be close but i'm giving let me say to them oh that's a hardcore man I mean, <laughs> first time in this podcast podcast history i'm i'm hearing sit we go like like full all out on. yeah 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 i i said okay let me go 81 all out this time 
Yeah, I wouldn't uh, surprise me if that did happen. Uh, the the team does know how to win and how to close games for sure. Yeah, and I don't see. I mean, unless uh, the pitches are really dead, I really don't see draws because um, if there's a result in the first test. then somebody is going to try to uh, push for a result in the second test right like obviously the team trailing will go for it so unless you see the reverse if you see the first test as a draw then maybe yeah that could happen but uh, i definitely feel that uh, new zealand should not uh, go for uh, the sorts of pitches they did with england because i don't think a traditional cricket uh, uh, works against this indian side uh, i don't think i think that would be playing right into india's hands of course uh, bowler friendly conditions throughout obviously uh, uh, india no uh, will be right in the game but uh, slightly better chance for new zealand on that front i feel india uh, india's bowlers just better all round with the old ball in my opinion so a traditional cricket uh, not uh, not the way to go against the, this indian side for me yeah and we saw in west indies like west indies had uh, done had a pretty good home record uh, when india went there uh, in fact they had even beaten england 2-1 and they had a pretty strong bowling lineup but uh, they i think prepared pitches again that backfired for them because um, uh, india's batsmen uh, were patient enough to grind out the runs and then uh, bumra basically finished them off uh, with his swing so i think uh, attritional pitches and uh, uh, slow pitches will only backfire for new zealand i see the kind of pitches that uh, they've had against other teams like the uh, first two days of crazy uh, swing and then uh, batting friendly so well let's see i, I, I mean I, i i am taking an alternate stand and i've been taking this because uh, knowing kohli's uh, uh, like aggressive streak and how good he has it with his bowlers i, I would say attritional cricket i mean suck out any life from the pitch whatsoever aim for a draw let kohli get frustrated let him make the mistake let his batsmen and bowlers get make the mistake and then if you win you win otherwise aim for two draws is what i would say because when faced with a stronger team and and a team with like very very good bowling the uh, which can take 20 wickets if you give them even half a chance then don't give them the chances uh my way of thinking but yeah no but sure. uh, i don't think uh, this indian team is necessarily uh, you know trying to uh, get uh, runs only with boundaries i think there are enough batsmen in here who are very happy to grind it out get two or three and over play out time put the score and then uh, leave it to the bowlers to quickly get the wickets no, i can no, understand no, if you i'm coming from a point of view where uh, if there is throughout life in the pitch like when we went to south africa the 2 1 oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 so it's it's a complete lottery right it's on the other end of the spectrum like you pack your team with pacers then you don't know i mean the first innings lead even if it's a 30 40 lead it becomes very very crucial then it is almost a lottery like who bats first who bats well then yeah, yeah 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 that kind of scene you don't want to do because then there's a 50 50 chance and the team with good bowlers when you don't and that backfired for the west indies because they had good bowlers but it depended on them executing it on the other hand if west indies had prepared like a dead pitch uh, even bumrah and shami had to struggle that would have given them uh, their batters a lot more time to spend on the pitch that would have given a lot more rest to their bowlers so it's kind of a strategic advantage when you are faced with a strong bowling lineup to go with a pitch that doesn't give that bowling lineup any help if they win despite that great otherwise with the batting lineup that uh, new zealand has they should just sit back and and uh, tell the indian bowlers you work hard for it we are not going to give you a pitch with any sort of advantage that would be i mean if they get 600 who knows like uh, indian batsmen may make a mistake that can give them the opening otherwise don't give bumrah shami ishant or umesh any sniff whatsoever keep it flat as a rule is what i would think but yeah sure i don't know <laughs> well if uh, the thing in that west indies series is that um, a lot of the times when um, you know bumrah basically rendered the pitch useless because of that kind of um, prodigious swing that he was getting uh, beating them in the air and uh, you know the when west indies came to bat in fact um, india uh, in um, 
those tests india had uh, actually put on uh, made uh, runs pretty comfortably ishan sharma and all had uh, uh, made uh, uh, played quite well and you would have thought that the pitch is pretty good for batting but then uh, you, against that kind of swing bowling it doesn't matter the pitch so i what i am thinking is yes i agree with you that new zealand will not go for the 2002 2003 kind of pitches where it's green throughout and teams are getting bowled out for 120 and then it becomes a lottery at the same time i really doubt if they would want to go for the england kind of pitches uh because uh, i think then the indian bowlers still have the advantage because they are good off the air and then the batsmen can pile on runs so i think they'd go with the middle ground but let's wait and see and uh, uh by the end of it i will all be back again so we can laugh at each other for our silly predictions so <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> yeah so uh, great so let's wrap up on that note suhas uh, thanks for joining thanks it uh, thanks ashoka it's been a pleasure yeah yeah and we'll uh, definitely love to have you for the um, review if possible if everything works out then uh, we'd love to have you to discuss everything at the end of the two tests absolutely look forward to it yeah and uh, thanks uh, ashoka again for joining yeah thanks man yeah 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 good to be back good to be back good to be back and uh, we are also happy to be back this is our second episode after the uh, mini break that we took for uh, no reason whatsoever i mean of course there were some reasons but nothing major uh, so thanks for listening and um, hope you can join us for the next episode we will um, uh of course we'll have the review but then uh, in between in the series we hope to do something as well we'll keep you updated about that you can follow us on twitter at 81 all out you can visit our website 81allout.com that has all the previous podcasts and uh, some articles as well and uh, keep listening thanks india have won the test match india have won the series they're going to get back for two india Goes wild.